Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. It's that time again on Sunday morning when we gather together, look at some things from Scripture, talk about what God is doing in the lives of His people today, and we're discovering some fantastic truths. It's all gospel, all good news. There's, you won't find bad news at the Digital Cathedral. We center upon everything that Jesus has fully accomplished for all of humanity. I want to begin this morning with a familiar verse, but I want you to hear it again for the first time. I want you to hear this like you've never heard it before. Like, like man, this is a lightning bolt out of the sky, uh, a revelation uh, that you had not considered before. I want you just to hear this again for the very first time. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19 says this, For the earnest expectation of creation. There is an expectation that creation has. There is a, a hope. It's futuristic. Hasn't, hasn't occurred yet, but they're hoping. They're, they have an expectation. And that expectation that they eagerly wait for is the revealing of the sons of God daughters of God. All of creation is, in a, is in, a, in a place where they're looking for the deliverance. They're looking for the freedom. They're looking for the original tent of the Father for them, and they're looking to the manifestation of the sons of God to bring it to pass. Let me read it for you out of the Passion Translation. I, li I like how the Passion Translation it, it's really more of a paraphrase than an actual translation, but if you don't have a passion, passion translation of the New Testament, I suggest you get one because it puts a lot of insight and a lot of good, good, uh, good truth presented. Romans chapter 8 and 19 says this, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Do you know why you stand on tiptoe? So you can see plainly. If you're at a parade and you're about three, four rows back, you may have to stand on tiptoe to see accurately the parade as it comes by. So all, all of creation, everything in the cosmos is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. So they're yearning for it. That, that's an in, that is an intense longing. They're pulling for you. They're waiting for you to manifest. So we're, we're into the second teaching on manifesting sonship in the now. And if you've been with me at the, in the Digital Cathedral any length of time, you know we're all about now. We're about today. We're about putting boots on the ground, practicalities, how that we live this, this message out that we have been given. So let me just start by saying this morning that you were created to demonstrate sonship. That's your purpose. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The unveiling is worldwide. The unveiling is going on. It's increasing. The intensity is growing. Uh, you are manifesting in time. I cannot prove this. I can't give you a verse of scripture. But here's, here's, what, I, here's what I sense. Here's what resonates with me is what's going on right now. You are manifesting in time. Listen, you're manifesting in time. You're predetermined, agreed upon destiny in Christ. I believe very thoroughly that when the Father sent you here, he sent you here with a distinct plan. As I said, I can't, I can't take a verse of scripture on it, 
But I know there are, are happenings such as Jeremiah chapter 1, when Jeremiah relates that God ordained him a prophet, even from his mother's womb, ordained him, sent him out as a prophet. Uh, David said that God knit him together. He knew him in his innermost, mother's innermost parts as he constructed him and put him together. Jesus said that the Father loved him before the foundation of the world. Paul said that when it pleased the Father who separated him from his mother's womb to reveal the Christ that was in him, Christ always been in him, now came as a revelation. I think there's, there's a preponderance of evidence if we were in a courtroom to say that when the Father sends us to the planet, he sends us here with, with a specific purpose, with a direct design. You were, you were created very specifically to be that channel in this century, in this age, to channel heaven into earth, to usher heaven into earth in a way that has not been done before. The very fact that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places gives you a perspective, gives you a level of consciousness that you can begin to show on an earthly, natural walk on a natural level. So I, I just want to lay this down at the very beginning that it's important that you understand that you're here with a plan. You're here with a divine purpose. And I may say this three, four times this morning because <clears throat> I, I just want to integrate it into your, your consciousness. I may say three or four times this morning that Jesus is the pattern son. He's absolutely the pattern son. What I mean by, by pattern, he's, he's the model, he's the design, he's the guide, he's the blueprint. Right? When you look at Jesus, that's how a son should look as he manifests. Along about uh, 1 John chapter 3, John expresses again our tie to the pattern son. I think it's it's first John chapter 3 verse 1 it says beloved now are you the children of God now you're the sons of God today you are the daughters of God and it has not yet appeared what we shall be we don't have have the full understanding we come to the digital cathedral we we read great books that are coming out today that are explaining how this looks how this walks out how this manifests it has not been yet been revealed what we should be, but we know this, John said, that when Jesus appears, not talking about a second coming, not talking about a rapture, he's talking about when Jesus is revealed, when he's unveiled, when we see him in his fullness, we will know him because we'll be exactly like him. So we will fit the pattern. Jesus is the pattern. He's the blueprint. He's the model. As, as the revelation, as the clarity of who he is comes into focus, you're going to understand much better who you are. Isn't, wasn't it John that said, as he is, so are we in this present world? That's a verse that we quote all the time. It's a verse very prevalent today. And the reason it's prevalent today, the reason it's quoted a lot today, is because it's so apropos. It's exactly what is taking place today. So I may, I may emphasize that this morning because... When you look at the life of Jesus, what you're actually seeing is your life unfolding. When you, when you look at his life, when he appears with clarity, what you're actually going to see is your life unfolding. Uh, Paul said that we all look in as, in as in a mirror, beholding the glory of the Lord. And as we look in that mirror and see that, that pattern, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So what he was sent to earth with, you've also been sent to earth with. 
Uh, and I mean, as far as equipping, as far as ability, unction and anointing, what Jesus brought to the earth to fulfill the Father's plan in his life is no lesser demonstrated in your life. Let me give you a verse of scripture on that. John chapter 17. Let's look at that, that prayer of Jesus for just a second here. Uh, John chapter 17 and uh, verse 20, I think it's verse 28. Let me get over here, see if I can find it. John chapter 17, I mean 18, verse 18. There it is. Are you ready? It's Jesus said this, Father, as you sent me into the world. Now you have to think about how did Father send Jesus in the world? Did he send him in ill-equipped? Did he send him in with a shortage of supply? Did he send him in with a shortage of gifting and anointing? Absolutely not. So he says, Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Again, we look at the pattern. We see how the pattern son was sent into the world. And you have to understand that you have everything that Jesus had when he was sent into the world. Jesus was fully equipped. And we looked at two things last week in this first teaching on manifesting sonship in the now. We looked at two things that developed in the life of Jesus and they're developing in our life as well. But before I get to those, let me just say one more thing. Then I'm going to get, get into the teaching. This is, all, this is all just introduction. I want you to consider that in one flesh body, Jesus contained the fullness of man and he contained the fullness of deity. So if Jesus, Jesus is saying, Father, as you sent me into the world, I'm also sending them into the world. I think we have to have to be serious about this and say that the same equipping, the same level of who we are that sent, that sent Jesus into the world also sends us into the world. You're also being sent no less than what he is. If we are to be as he is, then you have, to, you have to consider the fact that in this one flesh body was the fullness of deity and the fullness of man. So he walked it out in three ways, and we talked about it last week. First thing that Jesus developed in, he grew in consciousness in these, was that he had the mind of Christ. Now, I separated Jesus from the mind of Christ just for in, in, in examination, just to look at it. I think they're inseparable, just as I think the mind of Christ in you is inseparable from you. Uh, Paul said that you have the mind of Christ, not that you're going to attain it, not that you're going to achieve it, not that's, that some glad morning you're going to wake up and all of a sudden the mind of Christ is in you. No, you have it now. That's part of the equipping. That's part of what the Father sent Jesus into the world with. But he did grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. A, a, a consciousness of, of what he possessed developed in him, which was the second thing that we said last week that Jesus grew in, that you and I are growing in, which is a sense of authentic identity. Jesus is baptized. Clouds open up. Father said, that's my beloved son right there in whom I'm well pleased. That stamped identity on Jesus. And so when we read a scripture like, beloved, now we're we the sons of God, that stamps an identity on us, an authentic identity. When the Father formed us, he made us in his image and in his likeness. So we had an authentic identity. And in Genesis 2, 7, when God breathed the breath of life into us, he took out of himself and breathed into us. We have to see that our authentic identity is divinity. No getting around it. So here you are, you're walking the planet today. 
as a manifesting son of God, and this is where your consciousness is growing, that you had the mind of Christ. So when problems arise, when situations come, circumstances hit you out of nowhere, you have a mind of deity that you can draw on because you know who you are. Now, just before I get to number three this morning, just before I get to this third thing and reveal exactly how Jesus manifested sonship in the now in his day and how we are to manifest sonship in the now in our day, we're going to look at some very specific things that when I'm done at the Digital Cathedral this morning, I want you to know that you can walk out into the world and fully manifest your sonship. I told you last week that when I'm done with this little two-part series, I want you to be absolutely convinced that you are a manifesting son. I want you to be absolutely convinced that you're a manifesting daughter, that you have that you are the, the place taker of Jesus on the planet now, and that all you do, you do as him, that he is doing all that he needs to do on the planet as you. No longer are you living for Jesus. No longer are, is Jesus living through you. You are in full, absolute, complete union with him. You are, I heard someone say this, and it really ex explains it well. You're a Siamese twin with Jesus. And I did some Googling on Siamese twin, and it's amazing what Siamese twins share together as long as they're conjoined. When they're separated, then there's, a, there's a, obviously a separation that comes. But a conjoined twins oftentimes share you know, the same blood flow. Uh, They've, they've, they share the same, at times, heart and internal organs. It, you can't separate conjoined twins until you, surgically, until you surgically have a procedure. So when I heard someone say that you and Jesus are like conjoined or Siamese twins, man, it really resonated in me and it brought a clarity as never before as to the union that I have with him. So before we get to number three and exactly how Jesus manifested and how you can manifest Starting tomorrow morning, when you walk out into the world, there are going to be some ways, some means whereby you can show your sonship. Before I get into that, let me just remind you of the overriding principle that Jesus lived by. It's found in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 when Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. Every purpose of every son, of every daughter, has that as an overriding principle. We put on the planet for one thing, and that is to serve, not to be served. We're put on the planet to manifest, not to have someone else come and meet our needs. See, you're hooked to an inexhaustible supply. Why do we look to other people to meet our needs? Now, they may, God may use them as a channel, may use them as a, as a source to get to you exactly what you need. I know that God supplies our needs in two ways. Either he brings it to us or he leads us to it. So he can use whatever means that he wants to. But I, I, I want to I just instill that in your thinking this morning so that when you walk out into the world and you're not appreciated, you're not loved, know that that's how Jesus lived and that's how Jesus was treated as well. That's your destiny. Ego will resist that. Ego, ego wants to be served. Ego wants the top position. Ego wants to be number one. But when we manifest as a son, the overriding truth, the overriding principle by which we live is that we did not come to be served. We came to serve. Now, don't get all uh, bound up or all panicky about that. You're going to find that you're serving 
See, I've come this morning. I'm serving you. I'm serving you a meal. I didn't come for you to impart something to me. I came to impart something to you. And this is the joy of my life. I love doing what I do. Now, there are other people, <clears throat> look what I do, and they say, I could never do that. Man, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Well, let me, let me help you. Whatever area it is that you're serving in, Philippians 2.13 says that it's God who worked that into you, his will, and not only did he work his will into you, he worked the ability to do that will. So it will become your greatest joy. The area that you're serving is not going to be a drudgery. It's not going to be a hassle. It's not going to... Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. See, I would look at the cross and say, man, that's a fearful thing. It didn't put fear in Jesus. Ego, ego could not intimidate him. Right? Because it was the Father that worked in Jesus, the will, and the ability to do it. So when you step out of, out of time, then you know that life is not limited in duration. So the purpose you have is going to be worked into you no matter how long that it takes. Time is not an issue. See, God is not limited to the time that we have on, on this planet in a physical body to accomplish His will. When Jesus came... He put on full display what a mature, manifesting son looks like. And if you wonder what the Father thinks of you, look at Jesus. If you wonder what the Father thinks of you, look at Jesus. He has no favoritism among sons. I know we look at Jesus and say, man, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Well, you are you. If you wonder what the Father thinks of you, Look at Jesus. Again, Jesus prayed this. And I don't think Jesus just prayed vain prayers. I think the prayers that he prayed, he actually knew would come into fruition, would be answered. And so he prayed this. This is an important part of his prayer in John chapter 17 in verse 23. He said, In them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. Watch. And that the world may know that you have sent me. Now this is what I want you to get and have loved them and have loved them as you have loved me who is the them the entire cosmos the world that i would be in them and you and me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you sent me and that the world may know that you have loved them exactly as you've loved me so there's no there's no distinction there's no love in the in the love that the father had for Jesus and the love that the father has for you and i know that probably shake your theological cage especially if you were raised thinking that you're just a worm in the dust or just a uh, you know amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me you were never a wretch we bought into that that's garbage what we should have been taught and what we should have bought into if we had known is that the Father loves us with the same exact identical love, intensity, quality, and quantity that he did Jesus, right? And Jesus demonstrated that love. He demonstrated his sonship. He did it positionally as a son. Remember at the baptism? That's my beloved son. He did it positionally. That was his position. But he also did it experientially as a servant. One day in, in John chapter 1 verse 29, John sees Jesus walking. He says, right there, right there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's experientially serving. That's experience. You and I positionally are sons. 
Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us before time that we would be sons. And we, we demonstrated experientially, Jesus said in John 15, he said, no greater love has any man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus laid his life down for all of his friends. There's no greater love that we can demonstrate than to lay our life down for our friends. And you say, well, how do I do that? Let me tell you the biggest way that you'll lay your life down for your friends is by investing time in them, spending time with them. See, every, every week I get messages. I get questions like you wouldn't believe sometimes. Uh, and when I take time and I, I, I answer some, some I don't. I, some questions are so redundant that it tells me they're not listening here or at the secret place because I answer them. But I answer quite, when I take time to answer questions, I can't recall that time. That time is spent. In a very real way, I'm laying my life down for my friends. I'm laying my life down for those that inquire. I'm laying my life down for the world. Most of them I do not know, have never had contact with. It amazes me. I don't know where people come up with me at, but they send me a, they'll send me a question about a scripture. People do not want, I'm convinced, people do not want to research and think scripture out themselves. They've just got this verse, this catch verse that they're stumped on, and they just immediately want the shell answer man to, to uh, tell them what it means. Spend some time. You don't need somebody to always be bailing you out. The, 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 the serious questions, I, I, you know, I really take some time and I answer it. But the point is this, <clears throat> when somebody calls you on the phone and needs counseling, when, you're, when you are somewhere and you run into a need and you spend time with that, you're laying your life down. You're giving your life to that person. So the mind of Christ revealing his uh, authentic identity, which those two go absolutely together, the mind of Christ that you contain, if you'll, if you'll rest, if you'll let up a little bit, not get all, not all tense about it, just relax in the Father's presence, the mind of Christ that you possess will begin to unveil the depth of your original identity as divinity. And as Jesus' mind revealed his identity as divinity, there's a couple things that it did, I know. First of all, it relieved him of any fear of death, right? Or ego's voice that says, Jesus, you can't spend your entire life laying it down for these people that don't even appreciate it. You can't go anywhere but what somebody's stopping you and wanting something. And then they don't, they don't appreciate, they never come back. He healed 10 lepers one day and only one came back. What about the nine? Sometimes when you work with people, the nine can be very discouraging. And I'm, I'm drilling on this message this morning to let you know that everybody may not appreciate everything you do. They may not recognize it. They may not thank you. They may do nothing. They just go on their way blessed by what you have done for them. But there's some things that this authentic identity worked in Jesus that should work in us. And one is the fear of death. Jesus had something to say about death. I spent four or five weeks on immortality, and the verses I really spun off of were John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Now, here's, here's what the mind of Christ, and this I'm feeling this. Here's what the mind of Christ and your authentic identity as divinity will help you to understand. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, speaking to Martha on, on the death of Lazarus, in verse 25, Jesus said this. He said, 
He said, even if you die, you will live again. That's where most of us have lived. I, that's, that's, the, that's the mind of Christ revealing on some level that death has no hold on you. Though, even though a, a man dies, believes in me, and dies, he will live again. Then he goes on in verse 26, and here's where the mind of Christ begins to take this uh, divinity down another level. And Jesus said, whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. So there's two levels there. And as, as you're maturing in sonship, as you're growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man, a lot of the things that you're seeing today, he's going to perfect. He's going to bring clarity. I understand there's a lot of things in life today we're still seeing through a glass dimly, still seeing darkly. But that's, that should be a motivation of what, of what John said when he said it has not yet appeared what we shall be, but we know when he crystallizes before us, when we get the revelation, we're going to be just like him. We'll know him because we'll be just like him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus standing before you and the Father looks at one and says, I can't tell you two apart. <laughs> you look exactly the same to me. Now there is obviously some uniqueness in all of us that varies in difference and that kind of thing. But when it comes to looking at us through the eyes of love, through the eyes of destiny, through the eyes of purpose, through the mind of Christ and your identity, the Father cannot tell you apart. Right? So Jesus made a tremendous promise. Now in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, it says that the carnal mind is death, but the spirit mind is life and peace. So we're coming out of one mind and we're coming into another. The, the mind that you did live for many years, even in church, was a carnal mind. It administered death. There was not a lot of life in it. But now that you're coming into a spirit-mindedness, which is the mind of Christ, which is walking in synchronization with the mind of the Father, you're thinking His thoughts, what he thinks you think, what he says you say, what you observe him doing you do, that's all the mind of Christ. And the thing that enables you, the thing that empowers you is your divinity, your identity as divinity. Knowing, having an assurance that the breath that he blew into you was his very essence, right? That's how we walk. So identity as divinity keeps us spirit-minded. And it keeps that voice of ego silenced. Voice of ego likes to rise up and run the show. But where, where the mind of Christ dwells, to be spirit-minded is life and peace. If we, through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, we will live. So it's getting that spirit mind into a prominent position. So that when things arise, you immediately think what the mind of Christ thinks. You don't have to slow down and think, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Remember a few years ago, everybody wore those braces, WWJD. If you have to stop and think, what would Jesus do? You just missed the opportunity. Developing the mind of Christ, walking out your identity as divinity, becomes a natural response. Jesus responded naturally to situations. He didn't have to call the prayer chain, didn't have to fast, didn't have to get on his knees and beg and plead and wonder for two days. Jesus knew. He responded to the voice of the Father. That's the secret to manifesting as a son is to simply respond. That you've walked in that degree of unity. You've walked in that degree 
of, of knowing, of fellowship, of intimate relationship, that when something comes up, you know what the mind of Christ says. Now, I'm, I understand it takes some development. It is a process. Don't be hard on yourself in the process. Relax with it. Enjoy the journey, knowing that he is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when you walk in identity as divinity, here's what happens. <clears throat> that divine nature swallows up death. There can be no death in Zoe. There can be no death in the life of God. There's no, there's no death in the Father. Where would God go to get death? There's, it has no part of him. Anything that breeds death is apart from him. You are not apart from him. You are conjoined to him. And it's his life that flows through you. So that's how Jesus lived. That's how Jesus was fueled to fulfill the plan and the purpose of the Father. And I'm bringing this to you today, last week and this week, because I want you to know that you are here in this, in this time frame, because this is when the Father designed you to come. In the fullness of time, the Father sent the Son. In the fullness of time, the Father sent you, the Son, you, the daughter. Because you came with a specific purpose, a specific mission. And can I just tell you, you will fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. Forget the time frame. Many of you watching me are saying, man, life has passed me by. I, 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 I'm never going to amount to anything. No, you're looking at it in a time frame. The only time God knows is now. A thousand years from today will still be now with God. Whatever he has put within you, part of what he's put within you may have been designed to only be fulfilled in the eons that are ahead of us. Do you ever think about that? Some of what he's put into you, there, when, when, when we all move out of this dimension, he, he has loved us, he saved all of us. Uh, you know, that's objective fact. But when we move into the next realm, he may have designed you to teach there. He may have designed you to demonstrate the, the, the sonship as as the love of the Father is poured out to people that are not yet awakened or have resisted for some reason. See, the reconciliation of the cosmos is a done deal. Now, as man wakening to it, man coming into full realization of it, may take five, six hundred years. I don't know. Maybe take, some people are hard-headed. They may resist for 10,000 years. It doesn't make a bit of difference. The Father relentlessly pursues his people. And I think that as we move into that place, you're going to pick up right where you left off here. When you walk from the dining room into the living room, I, I, I firmly believe that we that live and believe in him are not going to die. There's a difference between the Father taking you and death. I'm going to get into that in a couple of weeks because there really is a huge difference. When Jesus said those that live and believe in me will never die, he, never, he didn't say the Father wouldn't take you at some point like he did Elijah or Enoch or Jesus or John or Paul. Right? There's a huge difference in that. Jesus is the pattern son. The same exact way that Jesus manifested his sonship is going to be the way that you manifest. And I'm going to, get, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I, you're going to snap me off in a few minutes 
with six ways that Jesus manifested that you can manifest as well. And I, I want you to get this out of just being a conceptual thing of sonship. Just, it's not con, just not a conceptual idea of manifesting as sons. I want you to be able to walk it out practically. And you're going to do that. You're going to find that out this morning. Jesus was the pattern, the model, the design, the guide, the blueprint. I don't know how else to say it. And you, you are fitting that pattern. He is developing you. You're fitting that pattern. What, what is it Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says? That verse just popped up in my memory. I, I know I, I, I'm going to read it because I probably couldn't, couldn't quote it exactly, perfectly. And I want, want this to say, he's our, he's our guide. He's our pattern. He's the blueprint. Look what it says in verse 29. There we go. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You are in that process of conformity. Objectively, you're already there. Now, subjectively, in the working out of it, it's a process. Do you remember what Paul prayed? I think it was for the Colossian Christians. He said, I am travailing again until Christ is fully formed within you. His process, the process of Jesus, is your process. Now, remember what the process was? The process was, and I'm going to get to point number three in a minute, so just hang on. Be patient. I've I'm, I'm, I'm got a plan. The process that Jesus went through was your process too, and that is the realization that you have the mind of Christ. Jesus developed that. He established authentic identity. What a leg up Jesus had when the Father says, that's my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased at his baptism. But you're, you're establishing, you're seeing by revelation, Spirit of Truth is unveiling to you that you have a divine nature. Think about that. You are a partaker of the divine nature. This one, Jesus, in, in this one flesh body, contained the exact fullness, the entirety of the Godhead in bodily form. That's mind-blowing. Now, what's even more mind-blowing is the next verse when he says, and you are complete in him. That's where we're realize, That's what we begin to realize. And there's still some things I look at and I say, man, this is, this is almost too much to fathom that I am complete in the one who contained the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Paul expressed it another way. He said, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So there's that one life. There's that one life unity. There's the union of just you and Jesus being in the Father. You and Jesus together. Think about that. And after he discovered his identity, the first thing that happened was that identity was challenged. And you will go through that process too. You're discovering you have the mind of Christ, that your authentic identity is divinity, but just hold the phone. That identity will be challenged. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to have his identity challenged. The, the challenges were, if you are the Son of God, doing the stuff was the side point. The real challenge was identity. If you are the Son of God. You ever heard that one with, from within yourself? If you're the Son of God, why are you going through all this? I'll tell you why. Your identity is being challenged. Are you firmly fixed? Are you rooted? 
Are you still in that developmental process? You, you know where you are in the process when you are challenged, when the doctor challenges you, when uh, someone throws a question at you, you're challenged. Well, if you're, if, you're, if you're a son of God, if you're all that in a bag of chips and why you got the problems you got, why, why are your kids messed up? Why, what, what's, what's going on in your life? That's a challenge. If you are the son, right? So his identity was challenged. But listen, he came out of the challenge. It says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Spirit will lead you into a challenge. I will, I will guarantee you that. The Spirit will lead you into an a challenge of your authentic identity is exactly to Jesus. But if you read the end of the story, he came out in the power of the Spirit. He came out more convinced. He came out better planted. He was now ready to face ministry. And I'm, what I'm serving to you this morning is this. Until, until your identity is challenged, it's one thing to get it. It's another thing to say. It's one thing to say, I see it. I grasp it. I believe it. But it's another thing when the Spirit leads you into a challenge and you come through the challenge of your identity as divinity and you come out the other side, listen, as Jesus did in the power of the Spirit. Man, that's when you know that you know that you know. That's when nobody's going to talk you out of it. Jesus the man and you the man, you the woman are ready to manifest your Christness by doing and saying what the Father says and what the Father does. So now we're going to discover, all right? I've taken, I've taken 37 minutes and 32 seconds to get you where I want to take you this morning, and that is to show you how Jesus manifested. I'm going to show you. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, and Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 14, and I'm going to read it down through verse 18. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelt now because after you see this, you're not going to unsee it. And you're going to see situations arise that Jesus said would arise for him that enabled him to minister who he was in the power of the Spirit. All right, so Luke chapter 4 verse 14 says this, When Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Now, this, that's incredible because news went out about Jesus. He did not have a PR crew. He didn't pass out flyers or business cards. He didn't take out ads in the daily paper. Didn't have a radio program or television program. He was not on social media. It was a work of the Spirit. See, when you, when, when you are ready, when you have come through your, the test of your authentic identity and you come out in the power of the Spirit, let me tell you something. People will see something different on you. They will be drawn to you. You think the law of attraction is something. People will be drawn to the one that is within you. Now that it's, it's being honed, it's being perfected, they're going to they're gonna look for you. It says they came to him from all the surrounding not just the little neighborhood, from the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So what Jesus was teaching resonated. See, I'm drawing a picture of you here. I'm not just talking about Jesus this morning. I'm talking about you. That what you say is going to resonate with people. Where before they argued with you, now they got no argument. Where before family members 
didn't know where in the world you were coming from, that you had uh, fallen off into air, all of a sudden that anointing that abides within you is going to begin to arise and it's going to begin to make an impact in ways that it never made an impact before with people that before rejected it. Now watch. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, goes, goes into his hometown. Man, that's the toughest place there is to minister because they all know you. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up and he began to read. He had some boldness. He knew what had happened in the wilderness. He knew what happened at the baptism. He was fully convinced of who he was. He was manifesting as a son. I'm talking about you, not Jesus. And there was a boldness that arose within him. He stood up in the midst of what he knew would be opposition from, from, from the preachers, from the pastors, not from the people. People, people never opposed Jesus. It was leaders. See, that's, that's if I can say it's our market. Our market are non-believers. People haven't been awakened yet or people that are hungry that know there's more than what they've been awakened to. He stood up. And, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now listen, now verses 18 and 19 are how Jesus manifested as a son. And in these ways, there are six of them. Six ways that Jesus manifested that you also, beginning Monday morning, you're going to walk out into the world and you too are going to begin to manifest. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Do you know what an anointing is? An anointing is nothing other than a, a divine enablement. Now remember, the anointing came. Mind of Christ, authentic identity, identity challenged, into the synagogue, and now he's ready to have an outworking of who he is, to make an impact on his culture. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has given me a divine enablement. Now he's going to begin to list off six ways that this anointing is going to, is going to penetrate the lives of people and going to make a difference. And they will for you too. So let, let's read this. He has anointed me, number one, preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Number four, recovery of sight to the blind. Number five, to set at liberty the oppressed. And number six, to proclaim the acceptable year of the, of the Lord. Six ways that Jesus manifested his sonship. And it was all instituted here. We have traced the pattern. He's the pattern. We've traced it. Mind of Christ, authentic identity, identity challenged into the synagogue, recognizing the anointing that is on you, manifesting sonship. You know what it really is? Listen, these six things, when you manifest sonship, you are expressing the heart of the Father. You are expressing the love of the Father. You are expressing all that the Father is to those people that have a need in their life. All right? So these these. These six things. The world is full of people that are living out these six things that are looking for. Standing on, remember we read in the Passion, all of creation is standing on tiptoe expectation, looking for the revealing of the sons of God. Our world is full of people that are stuck in these five, five of these things, and then the sixth one is, is a release, but are stuck in these five things 
that you and I have been sent into the world manifesting his sons to take care of. Number one, preach the gospel to the poor. I got to hurry this morning. I'm running short of time. Preach the gospel to the poor. You know what the poor are? Not just, not just materially, not just in money. A poor person is one that is lacking in some area. They feel like life has defeated them. They feel like they've come out on the short end of the stick. There's no hope. They've given up. They've thrown in the towel. They can't find a job. Uh, uh, they're destitute in some area. I could take an entire session and teach on each of these five, but I'm not going to do it because I think you get the gist. You're going to run into people that are poor, that feel defeated, feel like life has shortchanged them, that there is no hope. They're so far into the hole emotionally or physically, financially, uh, health-wise, that there's no way they can dig out. Those are the poor. Then he said, I've been sent to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted are those people that have been devastated by the blows of life. They're shattered. They're shattered. They've lost their job. The spouse has left. The, 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 the child died. The church has rejected them. The church has kicked them to the curb. Friends have walked away. And when we encounter the brokenhearted, we put a healing balm on them. And the healing balm is an assurance that wherever they're at in life, that the Father has entered into that darkness with them, that the Father has not forsaken them, the Father has not left them, the Father has not abandoned them, but in fact the Father has, has chosen to come into the darkest dark of our life, wherever our heart has been brought, what has created that dilemma. He's walking with us through it, through it. And that he's feeling exactly everything that we feel. A person needs to be assured of that. See, and as you, the let me remind you, you're not doing this. It's the anointing that is in you that is doing it. That's what, that's what Jesus said. He said, I, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's anointed me. He's given me a superpower. You got superpowers this morning. And we're, we're talking about how you can walk out in the world and manifest very simply, very easily as a son of God. Third thing he said is that I've been sent to set at liberty the captives. Who are the captives? Captives are people that have been snared in some kind of bondage. Bondage of any kind. It can be a religious bondage. It can be a substance abuse. It can be an addiction to pornography. It can be... Uh, they're in bondage to fear. Man, there's, fear is such a prevalent emotion today. Insecurity. They're, they're in bondage. They, they're, all, they're uptight. They're held in bondage. And so you remove the chains. You begin to minister life. You begin to minister truth. You assure them of the Father's love. Do you know why people have bondages? They don't know who they are. You know what fear is? Fear is really selfishness to the highest degree. You're afraid of what's going to happen to me. And a person that walks in fear needs the assurance of the Father's love. They need the security that the Father knows their, their entirety of their situation. The Father accepts them. The Father includes them. There's no reason to feel insecure. As the insecurity is solved, the fear takes care of itself. The fear goes. Perfect love casts out fear. 
A person has fear because they're absolutely not sure that they are unconditionally loved by the Father. So as a manifesting son of God, what you want to make sure is they know that the Father hasn't left them. There's no separation. They are No one's going to take them out of the Father's hand. They need that security. He said he sent me number four to re bring recovery of sight to the blind. Recovery of sight to the blind. There's more people that are blind spiritually than physically. And I think what he's talking about there is, yes, he did heal people that were physically blind. But I see the real application in our world to people that are spiritually blind. They have not been awakened. They, they're walking in darkness. A blind person is in darkness. What did Jesus say about darkness and you as a manifesting son? He said, you are the light of the world. And he said, that light, I'm not going to, he said, I'm going to put it on a hill so that everybody can see it. You are the light of the world. You can flip the switch for people. Again, let me remind you, it's not you doing it. You trust the flow of the love and the anointing that is within you. And it's just, you begin to express words. All the time that you have spent in fellowship with the Father, you've spent a relationship with Him, that has built up that has built up a, a reserve of spiritual strength and spiritual energy and anointing. And it's released through the words of your mouth and through the actions of your life. Just, just the way you posture yourself, just the way you carry yourself opens up people to see there's something different about that dude. Something different about that dudette, right? That, that gal, that woman, that man. Because of what you're carrying. You flip the light switch for people knowing internally you're convinced of the divine nature. Then that divine nature is light. Jesus is a light that lights every man that comes into the world. So when you encounter those that are in blindness, you flip the switch. Understanding and knowing that there is a Jesus light on the inside of them. Number five, he said, set at liberty the oppressed. The oppressed are people that are prisoners of their own mind. They're full of depression. They're full of anxiety. They're full of doubt. They're full of unbelief. They think they're going to hell. They think that they're so unworthy because they've done so much. They, they're not happy with their life and they feel oppressed. The past has haunted them, still haunts them. They're living it out today. And so you begin to minister to them and counteract that. See, what a son of God does, he, he kryptonites these five things through the life and the love of the Father that fills you and you're demonstrating. And finally, number six, he said, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's, that's a takeoff on the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee happened once every 50 years in the Old Testament. It's when all the debts were canceled. Listen spiritually. All the debts were canceled. Everything was returned back to its original owner. So you need to let those, you need to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and let them know they have been fully reconciled to the Father. That there is no more indebtedness for sin. He holds no sin to their account. In fact, he doesn't even know what you're talking about when you talk about sin. He remembers our sins no more. The year of Jubilee, we need to remind them that there's room at the banquet table for them. They can pull up a chair and they can feast because it's the year of Jubilee. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. Mom, my time is up, but let me say this. These six things 
form the foundation for the manifestation of the sons of God. If Jesus could do it, if, if these comprise the ministry of Jesus, then they should comprise the ministry of you. Now see what we've, what we've, what we have uh, misunderstood is that we thought the manifestation of the sons of God had to do with signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm not downplaying signs, wonders, and miracles, but let me hasten to say this, and I got to start parking the bus. The signs and the wonders and the miracles that Jesus performed, like the leper, the blind man, the woman with the issue of blood, uh, the disciples in the storm, they were all as a result of Jesus recognizing one of those five things going on in their life, either fear, oppression, bondage of some kind. And out of, out of meeting that need, the miracles began to flow automatically. And what I'm contending this morning is, yes, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles are important. And we need to see them today as much as we did in the day of Jesus. But the springboard into the signs, the wonders, and the miracles are you and I manifesting as sons and daughters of God and meeting the needs of people right where they're at the way Jesus met them with a full realization. I had the mind of Christ. I have, I have uh, identity as divinity. It's been challenged. I've come out in the power of the Spirit. And now there's an anointing on my life to meet those five needs. Are you hearing me this morning? When you, I'm, I'm done, but when you click off, I want you to know that you have what it takes. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because He has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He's, he's, he's anointed you to set at liberty the captives, to free the oppressed, bring sight to the blind. That is your mission. That was the mission of Jesus, the pattern, blueprint, son, that's how he functioned. So this week, I just want you to be aware. You don't have to go ripping and tearing into the mall and just try, try to spread it all over. Just those that come across his path. Have you noticed that those that Jesus ministered to came to him, came across his path. They recognized him. They will recognize you. Don't forget the point I made earlier that when Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, Multitudes were drawn to him from the entire region, and they will be drawn to you as well. All right, God bless you. I gotta, I gotta hook it up. I gotta, I gotta be done. <laughs> we've covered a lot this morning. We're gonna move on. But now that we've come through these two teachings about manifesting sonship in the now, you're not gonna be able to unsee it because I have equipped you. I have equipped you now to walk out into your world, into our culture, and to make a difference as a son and a daughter of God. Amen. All right. God bless you. Love you guys. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place. We'll continue our study on Religion Busters and be back next Sunday morning here at the Digital Cathedral. I will see you then. God bless. If this teaching resonates with you and you would like to partner with us in our expanding efforts to take this message of grace and union around the world, you may make a donation at donkeithley.com. We thank you for your continued support and encouragement.